Dig into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of Breaking Bats presented by Not For Long Media. It is 9.15 in the morning here in Japan on April 19th. So I am again in the future compared to my co-host Justin Ayers over there. J.A., what's going on, dude? It's a big deal. We're double digits now officially in podcast episodes. So uh, we made it. We should have had some sort of celebration. Uh, Maybe next time I'll get an ice cream cake sent your way or something, but uh it's a big deal not a lot of podcast you know because everybody everybody thinks they can do a podcast but when the rubber meets the road it's like all right let's see some numbers and in 10 and here 50 will come up here soon then 100 so uh it's a big deal and i'm happy to be here yeah i'm, I'm very happy about it i'm glad you haven't gotten tired of me just yet uh <laughs> we've made it through 10 10 together so that's cool um also done a decent amount of them across the world from each other too which is pretty wild so uh yeah, really excited about that. Thankful to everybody who's been listening. We've gotten some great feedback so far from the first 10. Um, it's just been a fun, fun uh, side thing for me, um, you know, to go along with baseball. And uh, we've gotten to talk to some cool people and I've gotten to reconnect with some of my friends. And it's just been a lot of fun, man. So thank you for uh, for all your hard work. For those listening, J.A. does a lot of the behind the scenes work as well as what you hear I'm talking on here. So we're very thankful for J.A. Oh, thanks, man. And no, I will never get tired of hopping on here. The only thing I will get tired of is having to Google what time is it in Japan because I still <laughs> I still have not figured that out yet. Uh, but no, other than that, we're, we're going to, you know, invest in a world clock, hang it up behind me or something. We'll, we'll, figure, we'll get that figured out. But here's to the next 10 and 100 more. Yep, sounds, sounds good to me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what do we got today? Yeah, I got I got a couple of things for you. Uh, so your celebration, the whip, is is just the sensation that's sweeping the nation of Japan. Uh, so for people that don't know, Brian started doing this, I guess, a couple weeks ago now. Uh, and I'll just let you tell the origin story of it and just like how it's become like the the team has adopted as like their new unofficial official celebration. Yeah, it's so stupid and it's so funny, but. Uh... It started, it, it's just me and my wife. It's just like, you know, just a stupid thing we do. Um, and when I told her after, or before I came here, I was like, I'll just do the, I'll do the whip every time I get a hit. So like, you know, it's for you, like just messing around and we, it'd be a little inside joke, whatever. And uh, we're not even doing it right. You know, like the whip's like this full blown thing. I'm literally just like doing the <laughs> like st- stupid, but uh after i don't know after a couple games i was doing it when i would get hits and after a couple i didn't tell anybody here and after a couple games uh the rest of my team like noticed and uh they started asking me like what what i was doing they were like the one time i looked in the dugout and they were all like doing it like waiting for me to do it and so i told them and at first they were kind of like like didn't know what to like they felt bad when I told them it was like I was talking about my wife 
and they got like scared and I was like, no, no, like do it, do it. She'll think it's, she'll think it's hilarious. And so it's just like evolved into that's what everybody does when we get a hit now and the fans are doing it. And yeah, we have after the games at home here, it's like they have what's called like the hero of the game or heroes of the game. And you literally like get on a little podium in front of the whole crowd and like answer questions basically. So they, the last time at home, they asked me about the whip finally. So I told everybody. So now it's like even bigger and yeah, I'm walking around. You got to get a wave to the crowd and stuff afterwards. And there I'm looking out there and people are doing it to me. And I was just cracking up. I'm, it's, what a world, you know, I never thought that uh, the whip would end up being our, our thing in Japan, but my wife thinks it's hysterical. Um, she loves it. And she cracks up at all the pictures there. There are of me now, you know, doing it and people doing it. I had, I don't even know, some guy was playing, I don't, I don't know, whatever kind of baseball men's league or something here. And he hit a home run and he's coming back and he did the whip to like send it to me on Twitter. It's just, it's so funny, dude. I, I just laugh every time because it's just never thought it would, it would get to this, but it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's fun that people are adopting it. My team, my team loves it. They're, they're, we have a lot of fun. So, um, it's just a, it's just a silly story that's turned into something pretty big. It's that's so funny. Yeah. The, the biggest viral hit of 2015, uh, that's it's cool. Cause like, that's a great part of baseball though, where it's like, yeah, I think back to like the 2010 Texas Rangers had like the claw and the antler thing, which is dumb, but like, you know, it, they rallied around it. And of course the nationals had the baby shark thing for Horado Para. So, uh, and even like, even in the MPB, I think your team, there's a guy on Twitter, graveyard baseball, who sends me stuff all the time. And he said in 2018, the lions had like a salute celebration. Like he's sending me pictures of, of the Cebu lions from 2018, just doing that in the dugout. So it's like, it's a great part of the game. It's fun. And yeah, you're right. People are sending us like graphic designers have made logos for the whip. Now I wouldn't be surprised if like, like I think the, the Sable lions account on Twitter was making a gift for you of it. It's, it's gotta be super cool. Yeah. It's fun, man. I mean, I feel like nowadays most teams have something they do, you know, because I don't know, it's another way of being a team. It's even though it's stupid, it's, your thing and everyone does it and gets excited. You know, you gotta, you gotta celebrate when you get hits too, man. Like it's not, you don't have to be over the top, but like, it's a fun thing. It, it, it keeps the team in it and gets them going. And it's something that's, that's hard to do. It's hard to get a fucking hit, man. <laughs> so, you know, appreciate it when you do. Um, and it's, you know, that's one thing here. It's like, we win a game, me and me and Jansen were trying the, uh, <laughs> before like we win a game here you know everyone's excited but it's just not it's not the same as america like everyone's more chilled out about it and like there's no music or anything like that i mean jansen like what the fuck like we win we need to like we need to be excited like let's so we were starting to play like music and stuff when we won but um we're working on it so we'll, we'll see what happens but it's uh it's just, it's been fun, dude. It's, it's just so weird to see. Not weird, like it's cool, but it's it's just fun. Like it just makes me laugh. Like I didn't, I don't know. I never envisioned any of this happening when I was coming to Japan, you know? 
Absolutely. I, you got to keep me updated on the, on the DJ selection that you guys have going back there in the clubhouse. I'd love to hear, like, if you try to mix it up, maybe go old school hip hop or something. Uh, I don't know. Like, y- these are just things that we have to think about now. Um, and also you have the whip down, but have you considered adding the Nene portion of the dance to your celebration? So just, you do the full whip and Nene. Oh my God. I think I'm just going to be a whip guy, but maybe okay. if the, maybe if the hits big enough in a big enough situation or something, I'll, I'll have to Nene on second base too. But for now, I think we're going to stick to the whip. I, I, I'm not too much of a dancer. This is, <laughs> this is good for me. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I like when you do the double whip where you, where you do like the, yeah, that's, that's when it starts getting, that's when it starts getting good. Somebody um, did send, uh, they sent me like a, they had me like cut out of the, of a picture like that on second base, put up next to a guy riding a motorcycle, like, <laughs> like that. and I was laughing pretty hard. That was funny. That's fantastic. Yeah. Definitely. Please send that to me after we get done. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Um, kind of, kind of NPB heavy on this intro for, for our guy, Adam Frazier. It's like, so you, you had your second home run of the year the other day. And I think we talked about this, the bats heating up, uh, you're, I think you're still sixth in the Pacific League in average at 294. Like, how are you feeling offensively? And like, can you feel like the incremental? Like, can you feel the back getting hotter every game? Yeah, I forgot to mention who we who who our interview was this week. Adam Fraser, thanks for saying that. But um, I've been doing my my more normal routine uh, before each game now for I don't know. It's got to be close to maybe a week now. So that's that's helping. Uh, making, you know, feeling my swing better and just giving me more confidence, but um, tiny tweaks here and there, definitely I'll play a part in it. But I said this before we started uh, recording, you know, I'm just mentally, I'm getting to the right place um, to be most. You talk about the numbers and it's funny because that's, you know, there are a byproduct of the other stuff, you know, because obviously they're there and obviously they matter. And obviously you want them to be good. If you worry too much about them though, it can, it can definitely hurt you. So, and that happened to me a couple games ago, like I, like I said, after I was starting, you know, was, was swinging it pretty good. So now I'm trying to just be in the moment, just hit when I'm hitting and not, not worry about any of the other stuff. And just, you know, at the end of the year, we'll see, we'll see where everything ends up. Um, Our buddy, Justin Sue has sent me a great clip of, of Scott Rowland who's a Philly legend. I don't, you know, you remember Scotty Rowland? He was uh, yeah. one of, one of my favorites growing up. My, one of my dad's favorites um, just cause he played the game hard. He played the game the right way. Um, and he was a very, obviously a very good player, but he's talking, uh, I think it's in like 97 and he's saying, they're asking him like what his goals were for the year. And he's like, you know, I don't, I don't have goals for the year. I don't, I, th- I think goals are limits. And I don't want to put limits on myself. My only goal is to 
go out there every night, play as hard as I can and drive in as many runs for my team and score as many runs for my team so we can win, basically. And he's like, wherever, you know, at the end of the year, whatever it is, it is. So that's kind of where I'm where I'm at. Um, but the bat overall and the men, the mentality is starting to feel starting to feel good. Um, hopefully I can just stay relaxed, stay in the moment and keep it going. And like we'll hear in the interview, Adam Frazier, we had we talked a little bit, actually a decent amount about hitting with him. Um, impromptu kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> felt like I was struggling and he gave me some advice and funny. Um, I forget. It might've been, I don't remember. It might've been, I think I hit my first Homer like the day after, or maybe like two days after I forget. And he, he messaged me right away. Like when he saw it, he messaged me like, right. Away cause, uh, cause we were talking about it. So um, yeah, man, I'm starting to feel good. I believe we're getting Yamakawa back tonight too which will help for sure because he was um, the hottest hitter on the planet before he got hurt. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the Lions start rolling again with the, uh, with the bats. Sorry, that was a long winded answer. No, you actually brought up something that I was just about to ask you. I, I was going back and re-listening to the Frazier interview and you're right. There was a portion in there where you guys were talking about like, I think you were considering making an adjustment to your swing. I don't, I don't know if it was to become more upright or if it was to, I think it was something along those lines. Like, so did you actually go back and, uh, you know, doing a little time travel here before we get to the interview part where you get to hear this, but did you implement those changes? It sounds like. Yeah. First I was definitely, that's one of the things I was definitely trying because it just felt like my swing was, um, my body was just kind of falling over the plate when I was going to swing and it was making me like just under and around kind of everything. And I was missing pitches that I had no business missing, you know, mm-hmm. um, which leads to, you know, the more, <laughs> more strikeouts, more everything. Like, you know, if you're throwing me a fastball on the plate that I, I got to hit that that's ingrained in me, you know, that's what I do. So like, when that's not happening, like cons- consist- consistently, something's not right. So uh, yeah, that was one thing I definitely tried and it's funny. I feel like it helped a little bit at the time, but like more so than thinking about being more upright for me, like mentally kind of my approach and my, like, I keep saying, like, I hate when I do that, my um, effort level, my effort level and just, overall what i'm trying to do like affects it more so now i'm trying to do less i guess you would say and i feel that that is keeping in that more upright position where my hands have more space to work through the zone now i'm not missing those pitches that i was missing before I could go on for like an hour about this alone. So I'm trying to just like get it, but not like just talk forever about it. No, I mean, it, it was one of my favorite parts of the conversation we had with Frazier. It was just like talking about guys like stressing the home run ball um, and, and trying to do too much and trying to hit it over the fence every single time and the effects that it has on, you know, your average and your season. So 
Um, so anyway, I, I said one last thing for you. Uh, it, the MPB world, it's being taken by storm by a 20 year old Roki Sasaki of the Chiba Lote Marines. Like, like I said, he's 20 years old. He, he threw the first perfect game in 28 years in Japanese pro ball, which is amazing. Uh, and then fast forward to his next start. He threw eight more perfect innings before he, uh, he got pulled 52 consecutive guys retired, which is insane. It's also the fact that he got pulled before he could finish a second one. Little Clayton Kershaw vibes. Um, stuff is nasty. You faced him, but like we might, I think we might have even talked about him on this podcast before, but like this guy is, he's something special. No. Yeah, he definitely is. He's a, he's a really good pitcher. He's got really good stuff. Um, I, it's funny you said that about being pulled. Cause when I first saw that, I'm like, why, you know, why did he get pulled? I don't know if his pitch count was up higher or, uh, I think they actually lost that sec that game where he got pulled. I want to, I believe they lost one, nothing in extra innings, but, um, yes, he's very good. And we, I re- I'm pretty sure we talked about him before when I faced him, I see, I was over three off him with three strikeouts, hand up bad day. Um, he, and I, I said, and I tweeted it, Chiva, I could not see the baseball. Like, could not see it until it was on top of me. So he's throwing 98 with a nasty splitter, and I can't see the ball. So it was rough. I believe the perfect game for sure was at home, not to take anything away from him. So that's uh, – it's just a it's, a it's a brutal combination, dude. He's really good, and it's tough to see. So good luck. But I will say to throw I, – I, I know it's been a while since someone threw a perfect game in this in this league what has impressed me most about the japanese hitters in general is their ability to put the bat on the ball they especially with two strikes i think he had 19 strikeouts that game especially with two strikes these guys like i they contort their bodies to just foul a ball off in ways I've like, I've never seen. And it, it, it seriously impresses me every time because there's, there's no, like, I can't do that. There's no way I could ever do that. So to strike that many guys out is, is really impressive because their contact rates are just through the roof. And obviously when you make that much contact, it's basically, you know, something's bound to just find a hole somewhere. So Super impressive. Yeah, he's 20 years old. He's he's going to pitch in the big leagues. He's very good. And we play them starting. We play him tonight and tomorrow. But like you said, he just pitched again. So we will not get him. I believe we go there next week. I think we go there next week. So maybe we'll get him then. Maybe we'll miss him again. I don't know. Um, Fingers crossed. You know, I'm ready. I, you know, personally – I want to face him again because he got me that last time. So I owe him. So we'll see Sasaki again, but yes, he's a very good pitcher, dude. I honestly, the pitching here is, is phenomenal. It really is. He's probably the top of the chain right now. Yamamoto's great. Senga's great. Um, Tanaka is still great. Um, but 
in my league, so in the Pacific League, so there's a Central League and the Pacific League. The Pacific League is is the league that I'm in, mm-hmm. the division, you know, like American League, National League. The pitching here in the Pacific League, dude, there is legit, like a lot of good pitchers. I don't think the Central League has exact – when you look at numbers, I know you were looking at numbers. You got to look at the hitter stats in the Central League. They're way higher than the uh, Pacific League. In general. So, yeah, man, it's, it's those guys that I just mentioned have legit like stuff, pure stuff. The rest of the guys, I won't, you know, I won't say they have the pure just like stuff and velocity that you see in the big leagues or even maybe AAA sometimes, but they have good enough stuff or good enough velocity to go along with five other fucking pitches that you have to worry about at all times and splitters like you don't see in the United States. And it's just a different animal of tough. It's not 98 with a slider at 90 that you're worrying about. It's, you know, fastball at, at 91, 92, with a two seam, a change up, a curveball at like 71, a slider at 82, a splitter and a cutter. And you're like, well, what, you know, what the hell am I supposed to like? And if I have, and a lot of times, if I have like a five, six pitch at bat, I'll see five or six of those. But like, that's what I'm saying. I'll see everything. So it just makes it harder by, you know, process of elimination in the United States. All right. Yeah. I got to be ready for 98 and a 90 mile an hour slider, which isn't easy, but at least it's only two options here. It's like, you know, it could be, (laughs) it could be all over the damn place. So it's not, it's not easy. These guys are good. These guys are good for sure. That's crazy that like a a Japanese pitcher, if he has five or six pitches, will throw all of them in at bat. Usually you think you tend to think that like here in America, or at least it's like, if you have that many pitches, you don't necessarily want to show them all in an at bat because, you know, you want to save something for a little bit later. Uh, So that's really stood out. And the other thing that stood out to me was you talked about the great contact hitters from Japan. um, And that just like a little light bulb went off in my head for Frank, the tanks, uh, Chicago Cubs. That's say Suzuki guy. I mean, he is, he's batting start NL player of the week. He's batting 400. Just everything he hits. I mean, he just, he's like one of the best contact guys I've ever seen. So um, it, it's just a testament, I guess, to the, the, you know, the skills of the guys coming over from Japan and just, I, I guess, everything that's ingrained them from the, the Japanese game. Dude, his numbers are, I mean, <clears throat> he was in the Central League, like I, like I said. Um, but his, like, you can look at his numbers last year, dude. Very good. Like really good. So I think he hit, he hit over 300 with almost 40 homers and he walked, I think he walked one more time than he struck out or it was like dead even. You got a good memory. Yeah. He batted uh, 317, 38 bombs and then one more uh, walk than strikeout. Yeah. I don't care where you're playing. That's really good. And this, like, like I said, the pitching in this league is really, really good. So yeah, that's that's why the that's why the Cubs gave him like seventy million dollars or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I will say I'm surprised um, he's made the adjustment that fast. I know he struggled to start spring training, but um, it's kind of like Otani, dude. And obviously, Otani's a freak. But um, I saw Otani in 19 in spring training when he first came over, and hitting was 
not good. Like, not good. So if you if you go back and watch in the beginning, I think that whole spring training was really rough for him. And then he hit fine once the season came. But he had a big leg kick. He cut it there. You know, he does his, like, foot down thing now. Um, but the, the adjustment for those guys is definitely, like, the velocity. Like I said, it's just that everything's harder and it's, it's just, it's just different. So Suzuki's apparently already made that adjustment very, very quickly. Um, and yeah, he can play. And these, you know, I saw it with uh, Tutsugo in Tampa too. He struggled with the, with the velocity at first. Um, and it took him a little bit longer to figure out, but now he's, you know, he's in there every day for the pirates hasn't got another contract with them and, and he's turned it around big time. So it's just, it's an adjustment for those guys. It's just a different style. And yeah, Suzuki can swing it, man. I saw, I saw him hit an oppo taco yesterday or something. I saw that highlight. So he's yeah. Good for him, man. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Let's uh, so let's, let's talk about our guy, Adam Frazier, our, our interview for this week. You got a, a chance to play with him in San Diego last year. Um, you know, let, let's kind of set him up a little bit for this week. How cool is it getting to reconnect with him? Is he one of the guys that you, you keep up with on a regular basis? Yeah, we, we talk, uh, we talk a little bit, usually on Instagram, whatever, uh, just real fast, you know, coming back, uh, talking about stories and, and things like that, but he's just a good dude, man. He's just super low key, um, super nice guy, really good hitter, really simple. Um, and you know, we talk about some of that in the interview too, and kind of how everything changed for, for not everything changed, but how he kind of really started to put it all together and ended up being an all-star last year and then traded to San Diego. Um, <laughs> he actually, when they traded for him, it's eventually what sent me down was him coming to San Diego. So it's kind of funny, but so is the business as they say. Uh, but then I was right. I forget what happened and I was back there pretty quick, but um, yeah, man, he's a, uh, he's a good player. Just a scrappy, like dude, you want on your team, good hitter, good contact, plays the game hard, good defender. Um, and I, if we talk about it in there too, dude, I'm excited. You know, I know they're off to a solid start, but that Seattle team's exciting, man. They got some, uh, him and he's it's since the interview too. I know that was opening day was when we actually interviewed him. Yep. Uh, and they got snowed out, but I think he started off maybe a little, a little rough, but he's been swinging at the past. I know he had a four hit game in there, um, leading off for them. He's been starting to really swing the bat. Um, so it was just a cool interview, man. And, and that he showed some of his personality in there too, which I was happy about, but, uh, I know you enjoyed it too. Absolutely. Yeah. And he went four for five the other night. He was a home run away from the cycle. So that, that had to feel great for him, but yeah, no, it, it was super cool. Just cause like I follow the pirates. I've obviously known about him for a very long time. And I think I got to nerd out a little bit of my, our mutual love for the city of Pittsburgh. So shout out Pittsburgh. I, I that's my favorite city on, on the planet earth, but uh, yeah, it's just like everything about this was cool. And even going back to like the, some fun anecdotes about like the, some of the reds pirates brawls and um, just, you know, just getting to learn more about him and the way he plays the game. So uh, I was really happy with the way it turned out. And uh, yeah, there's some funny stuff in here. So I'm, I'm really excited for people to hear it. I forgot about the, uh, his little bit about the Reds and Pirates fight with uh, Sonny Gray, who's his friend from Nashville, which is pretty funny. Um, so that's it. That's definitely a good little, little thing to listen for in there. Um, but yeah, he's just, uh, he's a cool dude. All-star this year, man, they're, uh, they're an exciting team. 
look forward to following them and, and seeing how he does all year. And uh, yeah, we talked about hitting, like we said, and then um, he's kept, he's kept messaging me when he's seeing all the, all the hits that I've gotten since then too. So thanks to him for that. And uh, yeah, without, uh, <clears throat> with that all being said, let's, uh, let's take it over to our interview with Mariners in well, utility player. We'll just say Adam Frazier. This week on Breaking Bats, we have Adam Frazier, former Mississippi State Bulldog, 2021 National League All-Star with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, was traded to San Diego after right at the deadline and now traded to the, C- uh, the Seattle Mariners in the offseason, who is my breakout team pick that we talked about before. So I have high hopes for Adam and the, uh, and the old Mariners. Um, he's joining us from a snowy, rainy, already canceled opening day in Minnesota. Uh, what's going on, dude? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are y'all? <laughs> doing good, man. I, 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 we, we just said it. it's midnight here in Japan. Just grinding it out. I'm doing good. Jay, what do you got? No, it's, it's the exact same uh, in, in over here in Maryland. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of sad when all these opening day games get canceled because just like it's such a buildup and then just a, just a letdown. So, uh, you know, but there's still, still games on the schedule today. I'm really excited. Yeah, but Frazier already said it. From a player's perspective, there's nothing better than when you already know the game's canceled before you go to the field or anything like that. How much better is that, dude? Now you just get to hang out or you, maybe you guys – well, I guess you can't practice, right? Yeah, then we go in for a little lift or, you know, hit in the cage a little bit, a couple, a little bit of eye wash, you know how it is. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, nothing like an early bang, you know, whether it's open day or any day. Early bang, you get to uh, go ahead and turn the mind off and, uh, you know, regroup for the next day. So, yeah, tough. I mean, it's it's snowy and rainy here in Minneapolis, and that's not ideal for, for open day anyway. Yeah, it definitely sucks more because it's opening day and obviously it's a little, you know, a little more excitement to go around that day than uh, game 130 on the schedule. But, J.A., man, there's nothing nothing worse than going to the stadium when you're, you're looking at the weather and you just know it's going to be one of those where you're, like, sitting there, sitting in, like, the lunchroom where you're just, like, eating food, don't know if you're going to be playing or if you're going to be sitting there all night. We did it in Atlanta. It was, we were there forever. It's just like, sometimes they just don't want to cancel games, man. They just really want to try to play. It's tough. But uh, anyway, dude, what was, uh, we had Musgrove. Musgrove was one of our first guys we had on here. Obviously you and him are, are very close uh, back to your Pittsburgh days. And then obviously San Diego, you were living with him in San Diego, weren't you? I was, yeah. Joe, Joe saved me out there. The, um, I mean, I guess I would have been out <laughs> for a couple months but uh he had just moved into a place um we were out point loma area close to the ocean beach um you know he had like a little in-law thing he, he set me up in and uh dude, it was paradise literally paradise you know we uh we cruised down to ocean beach for coffee and breakfast in the morning um yeah so you know how the weather is out there too so i mean it was tough to beat but yeah joe joe saved me out there you know we're very close from our time in pittsburgh and, and san diego so uh that was a good time we you like san diego together. more than the- we actually live together in spring too so <laughs> we just kept going <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome 
Yeah. You like uh, you like San Diego more than you like Georgia? Well, I guess you live in Nashville now, don't you? I live in Nashville now, which I love. But uh, yeah, dude. I mean, I almost stayed out there for an extra month or two just because. I mean, it was tough to leave. It was. I mean, you're kind of the only thing. The only thing I went back for um, was uh, what I did. It was just because my whole family's on the East Coast and stuff. So, yeah. um, otherwise, I mean, if I wouldn't have been three hour time change, I'm I'm staying for sure. <laughs> yeah, that time change is rough, dude. People, I don't think people understand how different that is once you do it. But now that would be nothing. I'm fucking what i don't even know i'm 13 hours ahead of eastern time and 14 of my wife so i'd take the three hour right now if i could but what are you gonna do? <laughs> I, I bet That's um cool. dude did he ever did uh musgrove ever try to make you do the underwater workouts with him or what did he started that after i left um i guess thankfully um otherwise i would definitely have drugged <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm sure that was probably some fun training anyway, something different, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever worked out in the pool or not, but I mean, I last about five or six minutes and I got to get out. I don't have that kind of stamina. So, uh, that probably would have been good, but yeah, that was after I left. So, yeah. Dude, the pools, pool uh, workouts. Go ahead, Jay. No, I was just going to say, you know, spending a lot of time and getting to know Joe Musgrove a little bit. We, we've talked a little bit about his, his coffee, Java Joe. Like from living with him and being around him so much, like, can you attest? Is is it great stuff? Is he brewing up good stuff? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's good. Um, I think it's all about what you buy, though. And so, what, what coffee are you gonna buy? What flavors do you like? And all that stuff. I mean, because it's all the same. You know, you're using the same water every morning to go in it, right? It's just a matter of what bean you got that you're uh, you're grinding up. So. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's just, uh, me personally, I'm like more of a, you know, go get the cafe boost day from the, from the yellow can and put it in the regular coffee pot and make it happen. Um, just cause that's easy and I'm, I could care less. It, it still works, you know? And now if they, now if they put these like extra caffeinated beans together, then okay. Uh, yeah. I'll spend the extra time to, to play with that. But yeah, that's his thing, and uh, you know, if he offered it, I take, I took it. But that's not me. <laughs> it's just a simple man over there, just a simple Southern man over there. That's all. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you get to do any hunting this off season, bro? Did did a good bit. Uh, didn't kill any deer. I killed a bunch of ducks. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thing. I just uh, once the weather turns cold and you can't golf anymore, I just go to the woods. So uh, it was fun, had some good times, but yeah, not, not much luck this year. Uh, but yeah, it's always fun out out there. Yeah, so I'm at my my wife is from the south, and I, you know, her father, my brother, and my brothers-in-law, like huge hunters. I grew up in the city. I don't. Haven't hunted yet, but I know the day is coming where they're going to drag me out there. Yeah, they got to get you. Oh. Dude, I don't, I don't know if I'm built for the woods, man. I think I'll have to try it once just to try it, but I don't know. It's uh, people, you guys love it though. I mean, people love it. Right. You want, if you, uh, <clears throat> I mean, you're from the cold anyway, so you, you, you don't have to worry about that. That's the only issue that you ever have to worry about. The other one is just, you sit back until something comes, you know, you do your scouting, whatever, but killing them, killing anything, deer, ducks, whatever. 
is like, I mean, the adrenaline rush is just, I mean, it's there. So that's, I think once you go, you, you get, get something good, you know, bag something good, you're going to be hooked. And your in-laws yeah. love you even more. So yeah. even better. Win-win. That's a good point. They, uh, yeah, there's de- I'm sure there's definitely, you know, something like just primal to it that, uh, <laughs> goes, yeah, I can imagine that for sure. But I know that day's coming. I can only dodge it for so long with the old, uh, I've been calling for baseball excuse, you know, I just want to be at my house, but whatever. Um, Jay, go ahead. What, uh, what do you got? Let's talk about Mississippi state. Yeah, no, I mean, even a little bit before that. So you, you, we've talked about you're from Georgia. Uh, I think you're from Athens, right? So that's that's got to be UGA country, but you went over to Mississippi State to go play college. Like, did UGA ever come into the picture back then? Or, or like, what was your decision-making process like? Yeah, not really. Uh, they didn't really recruit me. Um, so that made it easy to get out. I also didn't grow up a Georgia fan, so that made it easy to get out as well. Um but yeah, I mean, Mississippi State, just once you see the fan base, the stadium, the facilities, everything all together, um, the history, the tradition, it's just like, I'm, I want to go play here. Uh, you know, we, I mean, we're averaging 10, 12,000 every game for conference weekends. So that, that was, you know, kind of a no brainer to me once I uh, had that opportunity. Um, you know, growing up in Georgia, they don't have that. Uh, or, you know, right outside of Athens, they don't have that. But, um, yeah, I just got out of there, and I don't think I'd be sitting here today if I'd have stayed at home. So, you know, I'm glad I did. I've said it on Twitter already. I, I have a daughter on the way now, but hopefully one day I'll have a son too. And my I want him to go play Mississippi State so I can go sit and, <laughs> sit and watch those games, dude. They look amazing. They're they're a blast. That uh, I mean, it's truly nothing else like it. They're more fun than big league games, probably uh, for fans especially. Just uh, you go sitting outfield, you're grilling out, drinking beers, and I mean, the food's unbelievable. Anything you want, you know, deer sausage, steaks, chicken, barbecue wings. What I mean, it doesn't matter. They got it all, and uh, no judgment zone, man. Just go blow it out and have a good time. <laughs> Hope the dogs win. That's how it is. I, uh, so, I mean, Mississippi state, I mean, they, they, I think that, yeah, they won the college world series just last summer in Omaha. I, I went back and I looked and, and you played in one in 2013, like going to Omaha and just having that whole experience. Is there anything cooler than just playing in front of like 30,000 fans screaming and cheering you on? It was a blast. Uh, I mean, you know, growing up just that's your, you know, one of your dreams is to, as a baseball player, it was like, I want to play in Omaha, you know, and, uh, you know, wish the only other thing I wish would have been, well, first of all, win the national championship instead of lose it. But uh, playing, I think playing in Rosenblatt would have been a little bit cooler. Just uh, that's what we grew up watching. The fans are right on top of you. It's everything. Uh, the new stadium is pretty cool, too. It's just it was it's huge. Everything's kind of away from you, though. So it's not really that college feel. It's more that professional deal. But, um, yeah, we had I think it holds like 30,000 people. And I think we had like 28,000 in maroon and white during the national championship. So that was pretty tough to to lose and let them down, but they, yeah, dream come true, true going to play in, in Omaha. Was Nate Lowe on that team too? Or was he after that? He was a year after me. Um, okay. Yeah, but he, uh, he could, he can really hit. I think he's shown that a little bit now. No doubt that I was with him. Yeah. In Tampa. And he was at the alternate site and obviously gets traded and yeah, he gets a, uh, gets a chance to show what he can do more and he can swing it. But there, there's been some other guys, man, that, Mississippi State's got a really – I mean, they've had for a while, but 
recently too. Just a lot of really good players coming out of there, man. They're uh, those fans seem like they travel really, really well. I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's a baseball school. Um, yeah, that, that's that's all anybody in town or associated with Mississippi State cares about. You know, they get excited about football, and then it's like, well, we're gonna go like seven and five and see what. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, they uh, baseball is everything over there, and I think they, they, the fans will do anything for it. I, so, I mean, I, I was doing my research, and I was look, kind of looking at back and like interviews you've done, and it's like you're talking about like your approach at the plate, and it's fascinating. Even going back to like we we're talking about in college, it's always kind of been singles, doubles, high average. Has your swing always been the same? Like, have you kind of had that always kind of like simple put the ball and play mentality? Definitely the same mentality. Uh, you know, the setup's pretty generally been the same for forever, I guess. You know, a couple little tweaks here and there, but nothing major. But yeah, the approach has been the same. It's usually, you know, that's when I have success is when I have that simple mindset, just putting the ball in play, drive it gap to gap, hit it where it's pitched, um, but be a tough out. You know, I don't want to just give away at bats and strike out and stuff. That don't really put much pressure on the defense, but. Yeah, man. I mean, when I've tried to do too much and do more and get outside of that kind of identity, I guess, it's just when things have gone south. So um, as much as I'd like to hit a lot more homers, it's like, well, you're playing, you know, playing with fire, fine line, whether it's going to go stay, stay good or go bad, you know. That's fascinating. Brian, is that, is that the same way for you? Or like when you, when you know you're trying to go up there and hit a home run, does that, is that when you start like the average drops and everything kind of goes sideways? Me and Fraser are definitely different types of players, I would say. But I'm the approach and the mindset is for sure the same for me. Like I, if I'm up there trying to hit a home run, it's that's like guaranteeing it that I will not hit a home run or probably do anything good anyway. So I'm trying to just take it. You know, to me, it feels like I'm taking a nice easy swing. If you're watching me, it probably doesn't look like a nice easy swing. But the uh, that mindset, I think. Um, I think that works more for a lot of people, especially nowadays, dude. Like, phrase knows you don't guys throw so hard now, man. Like, if you just square it up, like anybody in the big leagues has enough power to hit it over the fence. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of if it's going up that high or, or kind of how you hit it. So, I think, <laughs> I think now, man, you just gotta, unless you're one of these just absolute freaks, you gotta just be trying to put a nice swing on the ball and get the barrel on it. Yeah, get the barrel, catch it out front, it's going to go, especially 95 to 100. It's uh, But you muscle up, you got no shot. Yeah, it's too slow. But I do I, – I love how you hit because it is so interesting to me because it's so simple. Like, you just literally put your foot down and you're ready to hit. That's, that's it. Do you ever feel like you get stuck doing that? Like, do you ever um, feel like you don't have rhythm? Sometimes. Uh but really, it's the only time I get stuck is I get, you know, start going forward. And the, uh, you know, the eyes aren't really behind the baseball and the lower half just gets in a bad place. But if I can get it down and get the foot down and stay back, and then it's all synced up. It's really, I guess it kind of started last year, to your point, Justin, that one of the changes I made was um, just get to the, the ready launch position as soon as the pitcher moves. So then I'm on time way more than just trying to sync it up while he's getting rid of the baseball. So I'm ready to hit as soon as he moves and then it's just fire or not fire. That worked way better. 
I something that's just like, again, it's, it's so fascinating about like the dynamic about this because like, I mean, chicks dig the long ball, you know, the, the, the cliche, everybody wants to see the home run ball, but I, you kind of, you kind of are different. Like we talked about just like high average, high contact. Like, was there any, like, I think you said in 2020, you tried to hit more homers. I think you end up did doing that, but your average dropped. And I think you said that you, you try to drop that. Like, was that pressure to hit more home runs? Did that come from the outside or was that more like, you know what? I think I could hit it over the fence more than I do. Um, I think it was coming from the year before, um, maybe, I don't know, a couple of years prior, I had like 300 bats and 10 homers. So I'm like, dang, I got power, <laughs> but it's like, it's just a fine line. Like I said, I, I, I was kind of searching that whole 2020. I found it late. You know, the first month was miserable. And then the last couple of weeks were good, but, um, I think I was trying to do a little too much with the body and stuff like that, which I, yeah, I ran into a few more, um, but I mean, in reality, what you know, a couple extra homers or a hundred points on the batting average. So it's like, you know, it's, I don't know. You can try to hit homers. You might run into 10 more a year, but in reality, you know, why not hit 70 more hits or, you know what I'm saying? So. Absolutely. I agree with that for sure. Is that a, you know, going into Pittsburgh, how many years were you, when, what, what, what year did you debut? So drafted in 13, debuted in 16, and then uh, I guess there till 2021. So you bounced all around the field during that time too, right? Yeah, more so the first couple of years. And then last yeah. couple of years was uh, mainly second, pops second. in the left, rarely. So, yeah. So what was the biggest difference between – your last year where you were an all-star was that just you know more reps getting used to the big leagues more time in the big leagues or were there approach changes or little tweaks like you said getting ready earlier is that what really just made you take off I think that helped a lot that 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 tweak um it's actually you know I'm playing with Winker now but uh it's watching him <laughs> and he's he's laying back like real tall so I was watching start in spring, going to spring, lost after off season. I'm like, I really don't know what I'm doing. Uh, coming out of 2022 as well, 2020 as well, I guess. And uh, I'm like, dang, you know, it's, I hadn't felt my swing in a while. So I'm sitting there watching um, Rendon hit in a spring training game. I'm like, dude, I want to do that. Like, obviously he just smashes balls, but it's it's very um simple slow all that so he's sitting up tall and i know if you get bent over you got a hole you know get bent over you got a hole up and in so i'm trying to stay tall trying to do something with the hands i think i'm looking like rendon and i'm not i'm looking like kind of like me <laughs> but i'm like i feel like rendon with my hands going up or starting low going up well anyway trying to do stay tall and then i'm looking at winker and he's just mashing and I'm like, I'm definitely staying tall now, you know. So that was kind of the thing, keep the chest up. Um, and then the timing mechanism, uh, those were the two biggest things. But um, I think the, the, the reason I had a great season was because I survived the first month in the freezing cold. You know, in years past, I'd get dominated. I'd, I got dominated for three or four years, and I survived last year. So I was able – that was the change. Um, but those two little things are what helped the most. Dude, you are giving me like an actual hitting lesson right now because I've literally, me and Jay, we've, you know, we've talked about me in Japan so far. Um, 
it's going pretty well, but I'm not hitting – I haven't hit a homer yet, which is pretty crazy for the amount of bats that I have already. And uh, I'm just not driving the ball like I normally do. And every time I swing, dude, I'm like fall – like my chest is literally just like falling over. And I'm actually thinking about going like no stride, like doing yeah. pretty similar to everything that you're, you're saying right now. So it's just funny that – it's almost like uh, a sign from God telling me that, yeah, you should, probably, you should probably roll with that right now. All right. Just get behind the ball and uh, ready early and stay tall. That's it. Yeah, dude. But Winker smashes, Rendon smashes too. Right? They're both um, – man, watching Rendon forever, obviously. But Winker, like last year, man, I've just seen some of these clips and I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Jesse, you know. Because back when he was <laughs> – when I was in Cincinnati – too like he was still a really good hitter but he hadn't he hadn't found that pop yet you know Mm -hmm. and now it's like he's just hitting the shit out of balls man right well he's he's tall he's he don't really have holes in the zone and then he's early you know so you want to hit the homers it's just being being early basically i'll let you know how that goes soon (laughs) stick the doubles (laughs) homers will happen (laughs) Yep. <laughs> I, I did want to back up just one second. I, I, Brian touched on it, but I, I follow the Pirates. So I, I remember early on when you first came up, they, they were doing everything they could to try to find a spot for you to work you into the lineup just because your bat is so great. Like, and they were putting you, I think I look, you played every position except for pitcher, catcher, and first base. And as a career middle infielder, you know, kind of playing the outfield, like we just talked about, like, did you enjoy the challenge of, of playing these new positions and trying to get outside your comfort zone? Or were you kind of a person that, like, you like having one spot on the field and this is mine and you like having more of a routine like that? Um, I'd definitely say one spot's easier. Uh, but to not ever play really, you know, a couple of spots until the big leagues, that was uh, – I wouldn't say it was fun. <laughs> but it was like, you better lock it in, you know. So uh, it was a challenge, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think being able to play all those positions definitely adds value to myself and for the team. So um, that, it was fun, but you know, out of that, I, I became pretty decent in left field, um, but in the other spots, so uh, yeah, it was kind of an adventure in a couple of those places. How long did it take you to get like truly comfortable in the outfield? Because like, I, obviously if you're just playing it for the first time in the big leagues, that's probably pretty daunting to somebody. Like how long did it take for you? You're like, you know what? I don't mind playing center field or whatever. Yeah. I played a little bit of center and, and double A, and I played a, a little bit of left. Like the first – or I played a lot of left, I guess, the first month of triple A. And um, so then when I came up, I played second and then and right. So I'm like, dude, I hadn't played any – I got no reps in these two spots. But So it was a lot of learning on the fly, which wasn't easy in a big league ball game. But um, it took a little bit. Um, once reps came, it was fine. Getting work in and BP was everything. Um, just playing balls live off the bat from those positions in the outfield, that helped a ton. Um, but, I, I mean, I would say it was a, still a work in progress in the outfield, but it's, um, you know, after a few weeks, it was it got better. Dude, I don't think people, like, when you just get thrown somewhere in, in the big leagues, I don't think people understand how, like, scary that is no matter what like they think you're 
a, a baseball player and like athletic and like, oh, you can do it. And then the game rolls around and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. Dude. It's like, all right, I got 30,000 people, 40,000 people here thinking I'm a, a right fielder. And I'm like, they have no idea. You know, I'm out here like, oh, let's just catch the ball, throw it in, hit the cut, you know, let's see what happens. Uh, you know, just, just like, all right. But that's that's the hardest part. Everybody thinks you're, you know, a big league right fielder or something where somewhere you never played. And that's not really the case. <laughs> Dude, it's so different because you just – the ball comes off the bat like as an outfielder who's played all three spots a whole lot. Like center field is by far the easiest because you can just – you see the you just see the ball off the bat better. When you're playing right or left, man, sometimes the way the ball comes off the bat and how big and strong dudes are in the big leagues, like it is tough to figure – and like the – the backdrops of the stadiums or the, where the lights are, dude, it's just – it's way harder than people, I think, actually think it is to read the ball and then just catch it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of parts to the equation that people don't factor in. No doubt about what it. Do you, what do you think is the, the hardest park to play in from, from an outfield perspective, and what do you think is the easiest? Mm. You might have a better answer for than me, Brian. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Wrigley's tough. Wind's howling, spinning. You know, it's like a tornado out there. The lights are low. Uh, you got to watch out for that. And it gets above the lights there. It's dark, so you can't see. But, and then you got a brick. You got a brick wall to run into for the fence too. Yeah, I'll probably just say that. Yeah, that's probably my number one answer. <laughs> Wrigley's definitely a good one. There's a uh, – dude, the trop – the trop is tough to play outfield in because it's white roof. You're like, all right, where's ball? <laughs> Did you ever lose one? Yeah. Dude, the, water's the, the hardest part there is, like, if you, if you like, or you know ball's over your head or something, you kind of take your eyes off of it to, to, to run – trying to find it again is, like, impossible. And the turf – the turf bounces, like – Trop's just a it's just a tough place, but you love it. JA's a big Pittsburgh guy, so he wants to he wanted to ask you about your your Pittsburgh city feelings. Okay. I well yeah, I I'm I love Pittsburgh. It's my favorite city on the planet. Like to be there as long as you were, like obviously you probably had a pretty good connection with the city and the people there. Like what were same were some of your favorite parts of the city and what did you like about playing there? Favorite parts. Um man. I don't really know. Uh, you know, I lived in the strip district for a few years, so I kind of like that. I was a little biased, good, good uh, breakfast spots with Kelly O's and Pamela's. I enjoyed those. Um, some great restaurants there. That's uh, that was probably the best. Um, great pizza, driftwood pizza. Ooh. Um, but uh, the golf was great too. I really enjoyed the golf on the off days there. That was probably my favorite thing about Pittsburgh. Um, outside of just the views, but, um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, they kind of welcomed me in, you know, had some good moments there. So it was, uh, had some good relationships, some great people, met some great people. Um, but there's not a whole lot going on outside of, you know, the baseball, hockey and football and then the casino. So <laughs> that's really it. <laughs> Rivers will take every dollar you have. So yeah. that's, that's just a fact. Love, hate relationship with Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you feel like you could be a pirate for life 
like did that thought ever cross your mind like yeah that's that's obviously pretty rare in sports nowadays is like one team for the rest of your life but did you have thoughts like that as you're like getting all these years racking up in the same spot and honestly not really just the way everything has uh played out there the past few years um you know i knew if i played well i'd probably i was probably getting traded um just the way everything's gone and uh you know the new regime coming in to that kind of mixes things up and then uh, there's a lot of young prospects they got coming up, so they obviously want to see them and limit the payroll. So um, I wouldn't really – no, that, that thought never crossed. To be an all-star right starter, though, from the Pirates, is that, that was a big deal last year. All-star second baseman starter, Adam Frazier. Like, what did that mean to you to just be, like, recognized like that on a national stage, especially somebody wow. being from the Pirates? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Definitely a dream come true starting that game. And then once I heard there was only like one other second base starter in the franchise history, that was pretty kind of hit me a little bit. Um, but no, it meant a lot just for the fans to be able to, you know, recognize the, I guess the first half I had was pretty special. That felt pretty good. And then Pittsburgh fans just making sure they did their part and in, in getting me to that spot, though, you know, pretty humbling and um, a great feeling. Dude, that's amazing. Seriously. But to be an all-star starter, that's that's so hard. There's so much that goes into that, dude. And and that's just that's so cool. I'm so happy for you, man. That was that was phenomenal. Good Thank for you. you, dude. Thanks. Go ahead. Hit him with hit him with your uh your question about the Reds, the old uh bad blood that year. I can't talk about that. Well, yeah, I mean, the Pirates-Reds rivalries, I think it was, was it 2019 when everything kind of happened? That was just a yeah. wild time. Like, could you feel that late in the season, even after everything went down? Like, could you still feel the residual bad blood from those games against the Reds? Uh, I wouldn't say. Me, personally, no. I have a lot of friends over there that uh, just from playing together in the past or from Nashville or wherever it may be. But, uh, but that was fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> we had three bras, I think, in one year or two years. So that was uh, that was fun, and especially you know, <clears throat> just the way way they all played out too. Uh, we were actually talking about it a couple nights ago. <clears throat> I think Dietrich's name got brought up, and uh, I mean, some impressive pimp jobs he did. But dude, I mean, he hit him in the river, so you can't even really be mad. But uh, yeah, it was uh, that was fun, dude. It was. I remember when uh, the mirror thing, when he kind of went after the dugout, I remember I was up all night, you know, you answering, answering the calls and all that, but he got the blood going. I couldn't go to bed. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I love that stuff. So it's good. <clears throat> Ryan, did that, did that coincide? Were you on that Reds team in late 2019? So I missed, I missed the brawls. I, the, I made my debut like right after, because the big joke, all right, that year I was owning Indianapolis and in AAA the entire season. So we kind of had some bad blood down there too. They threw it my head, and we already talked about this on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They threw it my head. They missed. I ducked. Uh, I didn't drop my bat. It hit my bat for a foul ball. Um, and then next pitch, I hit over the center field fence and threw my bat about twenty feet in the air. Um, but you hit uh, your first homer against us too, right in Pittsburgh, right? No, my second. One. Uh-huh. I took. Uh, I took our other buddy. Uh, Austin Adams deep in Seattle, actually, for my for my first one. Nice. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, he threw a fastball. It was, it was a different – he wasn't uh, the old slider guy yet, but he still was the old slider guy. But 
when you guys, when the like last brawl happened, it was the trade deadline, right? Or like right around then. So we just finished a game. I think we were in Toledo. And, you know, we come back in the clubhouse and the game, your guys' game is on. The Reds and Pirates is on. And we see all this happen. But the funniest fucking part was Puig had just been traded to the mm-hmm. to the Indians. And so we all have it on our phone, like on Twitter, everything. Like Puig's not even fucking on the Reds anymore. And here he is trying to fight the entire Pirates fucking team in a Reds uniform. And we're all just sitting there like dying laughing. Like Puig's literally an Indian and he's out here trying to fight everybody in a Reds uniform. It was hysterical. Uh-huh. Uh, that was great. Yeah, they, they left him on the field or something. Next thing you know, we're brawling. <laughs> yeah, dude. And now, yeah, now you're with Winker. It's so funny. That's can, great. can you take me through the anatomy of uh, a baseball brawl? Because they're they're very chaotic. Like, and obviously, you don't want to be the guy that finds himself on the bottom of the pile whenever that happens. So, like, from your <clears> perspective, <throat> as somebody who's got a little brawl experience, like, where do you try to position yourself? Do you like to get against the back, like the backdrop or whatever? Like, where do you where do you want to be, and where do you not want to be in a baseball brawl? Well, then I'm going in. Uh, I know, like, we got we cleared with uh, the Mets last year. And I was in there, like it was Stroman and uh, who was it, uh, Nagowski for us. And, uh, you know, McCann gets oh, yeah. a, I'm going in. I, I went in. I'm going in first. It's just when you go in, you got to make sure you got your head on the swivel so you're not catching one, uh, you know, from somebody behind or something. But, like, one of, for example, one of those uh, Reds brawls uh, in Pittsburgh, you know, I'm just kind of stuck in the mix. And then you're just like, damn, I don't want to get my foot stepped on and freaking knee caught up and everything else. So, um, you just gotta be careful with it. But I remember Sonny, you know, who I know pretty well from, you know, working out of Vanderbilt and stuff, living in Nashville, he comes in and puts me in a headlock and I'm like, who's got me in a headlock right now. And I completely forget Sonny's on the team. He's in like shades. He's not pitching. He's, you know, he's doing Sonny. And, uh, like, cause I know farmer well, cause Sally, a new, uh, the few guys, I'm like, none of them put me in a headlock. Sonny puts me in a headlock and I'm like, Sonny, if this is all over the internet tomorrow, I'm going to kill you, you know, so <laughs> couldn't do anything. Just add me. So, um, I don't know, man, I just go in there and pray for the best. No, I'm not, I'm not shying away and hiding. That's for sure. That's I love the little side brawls that break out where it's like the main scrap is still going on over here, but like 20 feet off to the side, maybe like the bench coaches are like trying to strangle each other. Like, that's I feel like the baseball brawls are like they take so long to break up just because I feel like there's all these little tiny like things yeah. going on all around. Yeah, usually it's just a bunch of push pushing and yelling, which is you know that's weak. But we had a couple of good ones where some stuff got in, stuff got going. Our uh, bench coach in Pittsburgh, uh, he, he uh, Tom Prince is name. He backed up catcher for you know 13, 14 years, and he bodied Puig. Puig was steamrolling at somebody and he just like O-lineman popped up, stuck him and shut him down. <laughs> I was like, dang, Love dude, like, that was a lot of respect. Was, you know, just Puig's a big dude. But, um, yeah, you never know what you're going to get in those bras. It's fun, though. Brian, you ever been in one? That's the truth, dude. Puig is a big dude, so that's, that's pretty good. I'll give him that. We had an epic one that was on ESPN when I was in high A. It was bad. Is really bad. We uh, it's still out there somewhere, but um, Luis Castillo, the 
now with the Reds, it was with the Marlins back then, and he just was killing us. It was like a 10 o'clock, one of those phrase, one of those uh, 10 o'clock kids' days that they do in the minor leagues. And uh, yeah, we were just getting, uh, we were getting our asses whooped, and they started drilling people. And yeah, it just, We'll find that for a clip another day. That's that that one lives in infamy. That was a legit. That was not pushing and shoving. That was like legit. Um, cops were about to walk on the field. People were bleeding. It was it was serious. Oh, that Aquino, Aquino was throwing haymakers. It was it was nuts. We had a couple yeah. guys in the hospital. It was it was, it was bad. in front of a thousand kids and nobody else. So that was good. Um, <laughs> but, but uh. Anyway, so you're an all-star for Pittsburgh uh, this past season, and then you get traded to San Diego. Did San Diego go at all like you thought it was going to go? Man, um, I would say no, I guess, just because we <laughs> lost, lost more games than we won, and that should not happen with uh, you know that kind of talent. Uh, we had a few injuries. Uh, you know, and then we just played with uh, – we played against the Dodgers and the Giants all of September. Being down those few guys, it just – it was a tough task. So, um, it felt like, you know, shoot, we do everything right. We play good defense. We get hits or we wouldn't get hits. And then it was just like one thing – you got to have the hitting and the pitching line up. And it was just off the whole time. Well, you know, we pitch good one night, we don't hit. We hit good one night, we don't pitch. It was just like anything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, but we had great clubhouse over there. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I'm glad I got, got to go to San Diego. It was a lot of fun playing with those guys, even though it didn't work out like we thought. Yeah. People have asked that all the time about what, what the clubhouse was like. And I'm like, it was fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> it was great. I mean, it sucks losing at any time, but like, I don't know. I feel like people think that there was something bad going on in there. And I'm like, no, it was it was great. Everyone was great. We just, I don't know, just didn't work out. Baseball's hard. Shit, shit sucked. But was it, was it harder for you personally going from you were leading off every day in uh, Pittsburgh and playing second base to kind of just bouncing around and even doing the pinch hitting thing and that kind of stuff once you got yeah, there? Def- def- yeah, definitely harder. Um, you know, just you- – as a as a hitter, you like to be in the same spot every day because you know what to expect. You know how they're going to pitch you. You know who you're hitting in front of or behind. Um, so you're going to get pitched relatively the same every every night. Well, when you're bouncing around, that's not the case. So it makes things a lot harder. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the change in places wasn't terrible. Um, you know, I think knowing Joe to begin with helped too because um, you know having everybody respects Joe. So having his kind of um, backing, I guess, helped, but uh, it was more so the routine with everything, you know, you go from doing a, the same ground ball routine, the same fungo hitter, the same VP pitcher, um, literally everything you've done, especially being in the same place for eight years now or however long it was, it was, yeah. um, that was the biggest change mid season changing all that up was, it was a lot different than that was the part that was harder for me than just, um, you know, changing atmospheres, changing teammates and stuff like that. Yeah, dude, def- it's a tough spot for sure. And and I forget who we were talking to about that, but Jay was asking about being traded like that middle of the season. And 
there's a lot that goes into it, man. It's not just, it's, uh, it's just not so easy to show up and everything's different. You know, when you spend all that time, like you did with one organization, you know, everybody, and you just, you're used to everything. So it's definitely not, not just, uh, the easiest way to transition and just play like you can. Um, especially when it's a little more sporadic too, like you had, but, um, Fast forward to now, you get traded to Seattle this offseason. How pumped were you about that? I mean, they had a good year last year, man. They got a lot of talent on that team. Um, and now, like we said, brought in even more guys. You got Winker, you got Suarez there now. How excited are you about uh, about this new chapter? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, you know, the trade kind of came out of the blue. Wasn't really expecting it when it happened. But I'm glad it happened uh, before the lockout like it did, and, you know, just because I knew what to expect coming out. And, uh, yeah, an exciting group of guys, a lot of young guys too. And everybody's hungry from being so close to making it last year. Um, but, yeah, we had a lot of firepower with, you know, with the Robbie Ray trade from the start and then uh, – or the, the sign, I guess that's to say. And then Winker and Suarez, you know, that's a lot of thump to the lineup. So – um, we're excited about it. We got some exciting young players, um, some young arms too. And, um, but everybody's fun, you know, good group of guys and they just like playing ball. So I think we got a shot to make a little run at it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can prove that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the Mariners are, are such a fun team. Like, they were so close last year and you're right. They have a great mix of veterans and awesome young guys. Uh, the Mariners, we talked about this, Brian and I did the other day, where the Mariners put out a great social media clip for Julio Rodriguez. The J-Rod show got, like, the opening day roster call. It was the coolest thing ever. Like, as somebody who's been around Julio and, like, everything else, like, how special was that for him? And, and did you guys give him big uh, celebratory, uh, uh, you know, whatever after? Uh, we hadn't really celebrated him too hard yet. Um, sure, once he gets his first knock and everything else, like, you know, we'll get we'll get it to him properly, but – uh, exciting player, man. The guy's got all the tools. He's he wants to be great. He's always you know smiling, having a good time. The love for the games there, but he wants to be great. You know he pays attention to the little things, and uh, um, I think I think he's going to be a good player. And uh, you know he he kind of proved it. He earned the spot in in spring, which was exciting to watch. You know because him him starting here opening day wasn't wasn't a given coming into spring, but he he earned it. And uh, we're excited for him and, and, and glad he's going to get that opportunity. First hits in the major leagues are the best and worst thing ever because uh, what you have to go through afterwards, J.A., if COVID allows it. Um, did they get you pretty good after your first hit, Fresh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was lit. <laughs> so, so the same night, um, actually, I got in first hit the night before pinch hit, and then, then the next day were Sunday night baseball against the Dodgers. And uh, so – I end up coming in. Kershaw's pitching. Um, Mercer like slides into the dude's knee at second base, comes out, a little concussed kind of thing. And uh, so I go in and get a few at bats off Kershaw. Um, ended up getting you know, a hit or two. And and Chad Cool was making his first start that night. Well, we end up winning. Cool gets his first win. I got first RBI, I guess. And yeah, we were we were in the shower getting crushed. Yeah. Uh, that sounded bad. So we were in the in the bath, <laughs> in the shower, getting crushed by anything and everything possible, baby powder, whatever you know. Cold things, very cold things. Yeah, it was brutal, brutal. It was me. Mine was uh, Akin, me and Aquino. Aquino, I was I, I was with Aquino all the way through, like short season 
straight through to the big leagues. And so we, we've become pretty close, but he, he got there a couple of weeks before I did. And, uh, but he hit his first Homer the night of my first hit, I think. So they got the two of us together and it was, oh. it was brutal. I remember trying to hold my breath, but it was so cold that I couldn't, I had to breathe in and the baby powder just got inhaled to, uh, down uh, the old uh, throat there. <laughs> right there. That's a good one. Yeah, but it's a good feeling because, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. Well, you guys are my pick this year, dude. I think that's your division. I think you guys got a really good team. I think, you know, Correa leaves Houston. I just – I think it's time, dude, the Seattle. They're knocking on the door last year. I know they have that. How many years is it, J.A.? 20 years? It's 20, yeah, it's 20 plus, I think. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think it's, I don't know. I feel really good about that one. So hopefully I'm not knock on wood, I'm not jinxing you guys, but uh, hopefully you guys stay healthy, man. I'm excited to see you and you and Winker in the same lineup and all those other guys, man. Hanniger is a great hitter. Um, and the young guys you got coming too. I know Dylan Moore is my buddy. Uh, played with him a long time ago. So I know he's there too. I'll be pulling for you guys out there, man. I'm excited to watch it. So, uh, JA's just got JA's just got some rapid fire questions for you, and then we'll uh, we'll let you get out of here to your your snowy Minneapolis, <laughs> Minnesota. Sounds good. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, today's it was supposed to be your ear opening day. So, uh, but for everybody else around the league, like as somebody who's been a part of a bunch of opening days, like is there a specific memory on opening day? Was there one game that from opening day that kind of stands out for you? Yeah, um, probably the first one, I guess. I mean, we've had a few snowy ones um, being in Pittsburgh and shoot, uh, Detroit, I believe. Um, <laughs> so all these – yeah, dude, it's been tough. But the uh, the best one was the first one for me. I, uh, 2017, we're in Boston, right? And uh, this is a good story. But the um, I end up starting in left field, which, you know, I'm not a left fielder. So I'm like, all right, I'm opening day left field in front of the Green Monster. First, that was pretty cool. But anyway, the uh, uh, Patriots, that was the comeback win from uh, being the Falcons in the Super Bowl. So we're like, they're got to do something cool opening day, right? It's got to be something patch related. Well, so we're out there, you know, warming up on the line 20 minutes or so pregame. And they got uh, – they got the Patriots highlight video rolling and the place is, is starting to shake. And, you know, it's five minutes long, just freaking clip after clip, Brady to Gronk, Brady to whoever. It was sick. So they got the flag over the whole green monster. And about the end of the video, they lift up the flag and out walks Brady, Gronkowski, Robert Kraft, James White, and Deion Lewis, all of them holding a Lombardi trophy over their head. And the place erupts, right? I mean, the place is shaking. When so we're out there throwing on the left field line and here comes Brady, Gronk, all these guys walking by holding trophies. And we're just like, damn, this is, this is wild. <laughs> and so um, that was my best opening day. That was, that was the most memorable one. I love that. Yeah. G- going back to Pittsburgh just for a second, like they, they have obviously the pierogi race in between innings, like do players in just in general, do they pay attention to the weird in between inning things that go on? Like, or do you guys have like a little like betting pool on which pierogi you think is going to win that day? No, we should because I could have won some money doing that. I just paid off like the <laughs> charge. But um, no, the uh, we we see it, you know. But it's every night, and it's like we we weren't halfway paying attention to the pierogi race. Uh, but uh, yeah, we see stuff like that. 
sticking with Pittsburgh just for one more. So if you had to start one, bench one, and cut one, pierogies, Pramani Brothers, and then Iron City beer, what would you starting, benching, and cutting? I would start the beer. Um, <laughs> okay. Just nice because it's beer. Yeah, just because it's beer. But uh, I'd bench the uh, pierogi, and I would send Pramani's to the crib. Not it. You don't, like, you don't like the fries in between? It's just a soggy sandwich. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a big uh you know deli sandwich guy anyway. But when it's nice and soggy, I'm really not it, you know. First time I ever had it, I didn't realize like I mean I, I knew that there was fries in it, but I didn't realize how many. And I asked for a side of fries and they acted like it was I was like public enemy number one, and they're like, You you want more? Uh, yeah. so <laughs> It's, yeah. it's a lot of fries. Brian, have you, have you been, had uh, any Pittsburgh staples? I thought I had Primanti Bros before, but I don't remember fries. So maybe I'm thinking of a different place. <clears throat> we stayed, we stay right. We stayed, I forget what the hotel is, but right by the little square there where everything yeah, is or all those little, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a remember, right there on the square. I think I did, but maybe I didn't get that sandwich. I forget, but I love that 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 opening day story is phenomenal. I've been if I saw that dude, I'd be like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, that's one of the few times I've been like starstruck. I'm like, "Damn, yeah. man, what's going on right now?" Brady's right there. All these guys, <laughs> like, dude, that was that was sick. That's cool. I uh, I, I have a couple more for you. So I went back and I saw a great picture of you back from Mississippi State. You had one of the sweetest haircuts I've ever seen. You had some some lettuce, I think is the correct term for it, like. Why did you get rid of that? And like, did, were you like were you forced to cut cut off the lettuce? Like, what was the story? And how did you get to where you are now? No, I wasn't forced. Uh, I think I just like, dang, this is really out of control and doesn't look that great anyway. Um, I liked how it looked in a hat, but that was it. But then it, you you got to keep up with it and all that. And I'm like, that I'm over it. Uh, I got to a point in Pittsburgh, I kind of had a little mullet. I you know cut the sides nice. down a little bit. Yeah, cut the sides down a little bit a couple of years ago, and then I was getting hit, so I was rolling with it. And then, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, you know, I got to the point now just because it's it's low maintenance and looks halfway decent, and then I'll just uh, I, I roll out there and don't have to do a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was show hair for sure. That was, yeah, that was uh, a so between all the, the whole guy, the whole team is just growing out. If you, uh, you know, Jonathan Holder pitched the Yankees for a while. He's with the Cubs now. Um, he was our closer. Look, he had the Kenny Powers hair, literally looked just like Kenny Powers. <laughs> find, find that picture just just for a treat, you know. <laughs> Love that. Back and look that up. Uh, so I saw that you're a golf fan. It's obviously today's the first day of the Masters is when we're recording this. Like, do you have like a favorite golfer? Are you are you rooting for Tiger this go around? Yeah, well, I got Tiger Woods on the TV right here, putting for birdie. Um, so, nice. yeah, yeah, the uh, I love Watson Tiger. I mean, the guys, he's, I mean, the best just ever has been. So, um, yeah, he's my, he's probably my favorite. Just, uh, but I, I like watching the big tournaments like the Masters, and then obviously like playing. So, love that. All right, I just have one last one for you, uh, and I it's my it's my favorite. It's my closer. What, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, uh, man, I actually said this, I guess, earlier today on an on a interview, control what you can control, um, especially, 
you know, it's kind of a little cliche, but at the same time, I mean, it couldn't be any more true in the baseball world. You know, you get caught up worrying about what others are doing, uh, how they're playing, all that stuff. But if you just focus on controlling what you can control each day, then uh, I think it works out better than, uh, than if you don't. Um, you kind of don't worry about a lot of other things when you're just worrying about what you can control. It's good. Nice. I always love the reactions to, to that question that everyone, everyone has. It's, it's usually something like that. Oh, I don't know. I got to think about that. It cracks me <laughs> off every time. But, dude, thank you so much for coming on, bro. I'm really looking forward to uh, following you this season and following the Mariners. Like I said, um, man, stay healthy. Good luck with everything. Maybe maybe in the offseason we'll get you down to, uh, to old Alabama and you can – you can come out for my first hunt and we'll, you can teach oh, yeah. me what I got to do. So um, until then, bro, like I said, stay healthy, play well. And uh, man, we really appreciate you having on or having you on here, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. Good luck to you as well. Uh, I'm going to kill it over there. Thanks, man. I will. Uh, I'm going to take your advice. So if you see me posting a couple homers these next couple of days, just, just know that it was, uh, it was all you. So. All right. Just swing easy. Like we said, <laughs> <laughs> that's it, dude. Nice and easy. All right, brother. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band stick figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Son of-